Tonight we open ourselves to a gift that God gives the world one time per year, the holiest days of the year. There is a grace on this planet that begins tonight that is unique, and it's going to be here very powerfully for the next three days. The fact that you've chosen to enter into it is beautiful. You couldn't make a better choice. Many of us have been preparing for these days, people who are going to receive the fullness of Jesus at the Easter Vigil when they're baptized, really have been preparing for this, these three days. Many of the rest of us who have already been baptized and received the sacraments have also really been preparing for six weeks, seriously preparing spiritually to be maximally open to this grace of these three days. What I encourage you to do is just enter in. Ask every question you have and reflect on everything you see and hear, but don't come up with answers to any of your questions during the next couple of days. Every question you have, hopefully, is valuable, but don't make the mistake of trying to come up with an answer to it. A lot of us have a tendency, and actually many of us who have observed Lent, you reflect on the scripture each day, you're trying to get something from it. Open yourselves completely to these prayers and to what we hear in the scripture the next several days. But whatever questions, I'm repeating this on purpose, arise. Don't pretend to answer them. They might be the very best questions God wants you to have in your consciousness, but they won't be nearly answered until we enter into the whole of this. There's only one savior of this fallen, sinful world, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who became a human being and came to us to make it possible for us to get back to God, to who we originally were created to be, people who actually love God, actually love one another, actually love ourselves, the way God created us to love. The way that Jesus ultimately brings salvation into this world is through his passion and his death and his resurrection. Tomorrow, we're all invited to enter into that passion and death. It's intense beyond any of our imagining. I invite you tomorrow to just be open to the reality of what the savior of the world ultimately does to bring you salvation. Before Jesus enters into his passion and death, he gathers his closest disciples, including one who is a complete traitor, Judas, to be with him. He knows where he's going, and they have a good sense that he's about to be arrested and killed. That's what we celebrate tonight and what we just heard in these passages, the Last Supper. All of this is set in the Jewish tradition, our spiritual tradition of the Passover. We heard it in the first reading from Exodus. About 13 centuries before Jesus, our Jewish ancestors for generations were in abject slavery, not servitude, slavery in Egypt. God so loved them in that slavery that God chose to free them from it. It's the most important experience of liberating love from God in our Jewish heritage. We just heard in that first reading what God 
tells the Jewish people to do to prepare for that liberation. God says, you take a lamb and you sacrifice it. You pour out the blood of the lamb and you take some of the blood and you mark the doorposts and the lintel of your home, the doorway of your home, because the angel of death, in fact, is going to come and destroy all the firstborn of the Egyptians, even the animals. The lamb is sacrificed. The lamb's life, which is its blood, somehow marks the homes of God's chosen people so that that angel of death will pass over those homes. God's chosen people will not be killed. They're also told by God, so specific, I think it's really strange. I would have found this very strange. Eat the flesh of the lamb. Kill the lamb, pour out its blood. Its blood will mark God's people so that they will not be killed. Eat the flesh of the lamb. And they do this. And obviously, eating the flesh of the lamb, it's going to strengthen them and nourish them because when the angel of death comes, they leave. They leave Egypt. They're finally through this freed from slavery in Egypt. You with me? The last funky thing, that's a biblical word, the last funky thing that you hear in that passage is, do this every year. And our Jewish brothers and sisters still do it. Do this celebration of the Passover every year as a perpetual institution, as something you do forever. You're God's chosen people, you're in slavery, you're going to be freed from slavery and death. Sacrifice the lamb, mark your house with its blood, eat the flesh, and do this every year as a perpetual institution. If I were a Jewish person a thousand years after that, two thousand years after that, or today, I would say celebrating the Passover reminds me of how much God loves God's people. It reminds me that God can free us from slavery. It reminds me how merciful God is. And kind of what's the big deal? Like years and years pass and we're still sinful and we're still a mess. And yeah, we eat the lamb, but you just get nourished for 12 hours. And what is this thing about perpetual? And by the way, we're all gonna die. Death is still here. 2,000 years ago, in the fullness of time, God chose to become a Jewish man. When that Jewish man was about to give his entire life to save the world, he called his closest friends, you, together at a meal, the Passover meal. In that meal, where bread, unleavened bread, like the Exodus, is traditionally blessed, still is by our Jewish brothers and sisters, and wine is blessed and shared among God's chosen people, Jesus does two things at that meal that we're asked to focus on tonight. The first thing is he takes the bread of the Passover meal, he blesses it, and then instead of just passing it around, he says this 
is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. He takes the Passover wine and he blesses it. Instead of just passing it around, first he says, this is my blood, drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. When Jesus, the Son of God, is about to give his entire life to save the world, one of the last two things he does is he enters into that perpetual institution and he takes bread and wine and by blessing it says, this is me, this is I, eat it and drink it. Before he frees his people from slavery to sin and to death, he enters in the Passover meal and he tells people, eat me. Don't answer your questions. Even I get this. The lamb, 13 centuries before, is sacrificed. Jesus turns out to be what that lamb was pointing to. Jesus is literally sacrificed. The lamb's blood is poured out. Jesus' blood, we will see tomorrow, is literally poured out. The blood of the lamb marks the homes of the Jewish people, and death passes over temporarily those homes. People who live in the blood of Jesus, if they live in it, ultimately have death pass over them eternally. And when you're told to eat the lamb, hopefully you say, well, all right, we had a meal. In the fullness of time, the lamb, Jesus, says, eat me. Have me completely within you. Number one. Number two, at that last supper, we're invited to see what Jesus does just before that. He goes around to his disciples, including Judas, including the person he knows is the most disgusting person whom he says would be better for him to be dead than to have been born, better than he were never born. He betrays Jesus knowingly, a horrific sinner. Jesus takes off his cloak. He wraps a towel around himself. He goes and he washes his disciples' feet. The only person who washes others' feet in Jesus' time and place in that situation at the Passover meal would theoretically be a slave. There's a record of that. But in theory, the only person who would wash other people's feet, their disgusting, dirty feet, is a slave. Jesus takes the place of a slave, and his disciples, Peter doesn't want this to take place. They're taken aback by this. They should be. He says, unless you do this, somehow you're not going to be part of this. He washes all of their feet, and he says, remember, my body, my blood, do this. I have just washed your feet like a slave. Do this. Don't answer your questions. You and I know that Jesus, tomorrow, is going to take the place of a slave, and he is going to give 
his entire self to save you. Before he does that 2,000 years ago, and before he does that in 2023, he says to you and me, I am a slave of Judas. I'm a slave of all these people. I am a slave. You do this. The body and blood of Jesus are the ultimate way that salvation is offered to us in our lives. The way that that reality unfolds in us is shown to us in his washing the feet. Your present and your eternal future are in that. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.